This is the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. I'm Stephen Ellis. That's Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing great. Always happy to talk prospects. Me too. It's uh, we, we only do this every every couple of weeks, but it's fun when we do because you know there's usually a lot of really good stuff to talk about. And um, let's not waste any time. Let's talk about what's going on in the AHL because we kind of caught this really cool situation this year where uh, we do have so many junior age prospects playing in this. And then you got a couple of other top prospects. And one of those guys is Trevor Zegers. And now he's been called up to the NHL, but wow, what a start to the season for him in the AHL. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we saw Zegers at the world juniors. He was dominant for team USA, led them to gold. Um, you know, he was the MVP. I, I have to assume he was almost consensus, mm-hmm. uh, at least on the ballots that I saw. And he was certainly the MVP on my ballot. You know, the thing that I think distinguishes Zegers from a lot of prospects is, you know, obviously it's, it's his playmaking, but it's his creativity and his willing to try things as a playmaker that I think really sets him apart from a lot of other players his age and even, frankly, older players, because Zegers will have, you can tell, he has ideas on the ice and he's not afraid to try them. A lot of the times they work and they turn into either goals or could have been goals if the the past recipient had had cashed them in. You know, sometimes it won't. But I know a lot of coaches love that, especially in young players, because, you know, the game is so structured now. Defensemen are so good. You need to throw something different at them. And I think Zegers has that ability and he utilizes it quite often and, and quite a bit. And it's and it's super effective. I realized I didn't never, I forgot to ask you about the prospects keeping or catching your eye, but I will ask you that a little later. I want to stick nice. with the Anaheim Ducks prospect system and let's go with Jamie Drysdale, San Diego goals defenseman, someone who I wasn't totally convinced would have made the NHL um, in kind of any circumstance. And he didn't, and he went right to the AHL. And uh, I thought the OHL would have been the right path for him in a normal year, but here he is. He's looking fantastic. He's got eight points in eight games. Wow. Yeah, you know, he he is currently leading the AHL in scoring by a defenseman with those eight points in eight games. And I think he might be like third overall behind Zegers and Seth Jarvis, who I think we're also going to talk about in a second. Um, You know, I'm a little more bullish on Drysdale uh, than you, I suppose, um, simply because he plays with such calm and such poise that I think he can handle pretty much any situation. And I've always seen him as kind of like a, like a younger Miro Heskinen in that sense, where you got a really mobile defenseman with, uh, you know, good offense to his game, but good in his own zone as well. And just seems to be like super chill out there. And, you know, when you're making the jump from junior to either the AHL or the NHL, it's a very different game, not only because of your opponents, but because of your teammates as well. And, you know, at the NHL level, I think Drysdale is going to be very successful because the things he does really sets the table for the, the rest of the players on the ice, and including, obviously, you know, high-skilled forwards. And one of them that he's definitely going to end up playing with in the coming years is Trevor Zegers. It just seems like a great combination. And, 
you know, the San Diego Gulls are very exciting right now because they got those two. They have Jacob Perot, who ordinarily mm -hmm. would be with Sarnia. Uh, they have Braden Tracy out of the dub. You know, just a lot of good young players at the same time. Lucas Dostal and Nett, who I think he's only 21 at this point. Um, so real fun if you're an Anaheim fan to see all those kids producing right away. Yeah, and uh, it's it's again we're so lucky that this year we get to watch these these junior age guys playing at this level because Drysdale I, I I've said in the past I'm a really big fan of him I, I just kind of wanted to see them be a little patient with him because the Ducks are still kind of in a in a rebuilding situation and they've got a few of those young prospects that really haven't kind of turned out to be a lot so I didn't want oh. them to rush but and you know they're not rushing him he's playing the AHL so it's like I. I they can't really go wrong there. So I'm really like what San Diego's doing. Of course, we do know Zegers was called up to the NHL and uh, he maybe he sticks, maybe he goes back, but otherwise you can't be, can't go wrong how either of those two have performed. Last one I really want to touch on is a guy who actually didn't make the world juniors for team Canada, Seth Jarvis, Carolina hurricanes prospect. Wow. He had an incredible season last year in the WHL and this year he's the top scorer in the AHL, which it's really cool to see. So, so what's with him? Well, you know, Seth Jarvis, he's one of those players where, you know, he doesn't have a ton of size, but he makes an impact almost every shift because he is so talented and, you know, he can produce so much. And I think the thing that's really interesting right now, um, you know, Seth Jarvis, obviously in the AHL playing for the Chicago Wolves. And the interesting thing there is that Carolina and Nashville are kind of sharing the Wolves as an affiliate. We, we're seeing this with a couple of teams because not every AHL team decided to play through the pandemic. Um, but that Wolves team is so exciting right now because you essentially have a double cohort of young stars. So not only do you have Seth Jarvis, but you also have Phil Tomasino mm -hmm. on that team uh, who obviously uh, made some contributions to Canada at the World Juniors. And you got a number of young Carolina players. You got some Nashville kids. Um, that's just a really fun team to watch. Obviously they can sort of pile up the points, but Seth Jarvis, you know, at his young age is already distinguishing himself. And again, you know, 15 years ago, a player of Jarvis's size probably would have been, if not ignored, then certainly, you know, he would have been in, available in like the fourth or fifth round. Now, obviously teams are seeing that, you know, size is really not an issue in the mm -hmm. NHL. If you can play at pace and, you know, Seth Jarvis is, is certainly a player that, you know, we've seen in the dub put up a ton of points uh, with the Portland Winterhawks. And the fact that he's gotten off to such a great start in the AHL, again, it just bodes well for him playing against men in the future. And again, you know, I, I think you made a very good point. You never want to rush these kids. Um, but this is a very exciting year in the AHL because of the delay to the OHL and WHL seasons. Um, just last night, I was talking to Nelson Emerson, the director of player personnel for the Los Angeles Kings, uh, for a magazine story on Arthur Kaliev. And, you know, we were talking about the Ontario Reign, where, where LA, uh, you know, has their AHL affiliate. You know, right now, they've got Kaliev, who is great for Team USA at the World Juniors. They've got Quinton Byfield. You know, they've got Tyler Madden. Um, you know, Alex Turcott, I think, is hurt right now. Uh, but Sean Dursey is there. Like, there's so many great young players. Akil Thomas is there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for him, for Emerson, he was saying, you know, this is great because these young guys are learning the pro lifestyle. 
and getting great competition. So they're, they're not living with billets. They're living on their own, you know, a lot of them for the first time and they're getting this great competition where they can see where they're at. And I, I think, you know, that obviously goes for Seth Jarvis. It goes for Jamie Drysdale. It goes for a number of players that are having that experience right now. Yeah, it's a pretty unique experience, and it's it's obviously different from back in the lockouts when they we'd see some NHL quality players go back to the AHL. This time, uh, that is kind of like the junior guys going in there, and they're outperforming a lot of the older competition. And you mentioned about the size of Seth Jarvis; he's a small guy. And when you look at the NHL compared to the AHL, the AHL still have those guys who are out there just to fight and just to be out there and hit. So there are still those big physical guys. So um, the AHL has a reputation of being this much bigger league almost in that sense. Um, so for Seth Jarvis to go and do as well as he's playing uh, is fantastic. Now to keep on the topic of the AHL, because this is something that is going to start affecting the league very shortly right now. There's the, the NHL teams. They, there are going to be in a situation where their top prospects who have been thriving in the AHL are going to go half to go back and play junior, depending on where they're from. And some prospects do some prospects don't depending on eligibility. Um, when you look at that, is this a situation where you think maybe the NHL teams will want to push in the future and say, if we've got a top prospect, who's good enough to play in the AHL, can we do it? Maybe put a limit on it, like one or two prospects in the system that are still junior age, or do you think they just got to stick with the system they have right now? Well, it's a great question. And I'm really of two minds of, uh, for the answer, you know, from a selfish perspective, you know, uh, I love seeing these junior players in the AHL because I think they're ready and it's a, it's a fantastic middle step to the NHL. Um, like when I was talking to Emerson, Last night, I was saying this was like the perfect situation for Quentin Byfield, a player who dominates in junior because he's such a big kid and he's so skilled. But maybe the NHL might have been too much of a step right away. So now you got him in this uh, AHL situation where it seems perfect for a player like that. Um, so skill wise, I mean, we, we've obviously seen that these kids, these kids can hang. You know, we, we've seen Drysdale, we've seen Jarvis, you know, Tomasino all these kids are putting up points and, and playing really well. So obviously they can do it. And, you know, for me, I, I think the players should be allowed and, you know, a, a cap, you know, I, I get it, you know, one or two players. Um, I, I think they should do it. Now I can understand why the powers that be don't want it to happen. And there's a couple of different reasons. Obviously if you're the CHL, you don't want your biggest stars leaving, mm -hmm. you know, one, even two years before they are allowed to right now. Um, you know, this is obviously a lot of these teams are in uh, smaller cities or even towns and communities where, you know, this is the big draw and you've nurtured these kids, you've drafted them when they were, you know, 15, uh, even 14 in the dub. You've watched them grow up. You know, you want to see them as long as you possibly can. And you want to get fans in the stands. You want to win your division you want to win your league championship so i get it from the nhl perspective you're getting free labor when these kids are in junior uh, because their entry-level contracts can slide so i can understand why the nhl teams might say you know what they're doing all right there and we get to keep their NHL rights for a year longer. You know, we don't have to think about unrestricted free agency as soon. 
Um, you know, maybe the first contract is a bridge contract because they're still, you know, working things out. Um, so I can understand why the NHL might not want to make that change uh, simply because of the, the cap considerations and the development considerations. Um, so I, I think it's, it's a more complicated issue than I would like it to be. Um, for me, I just want to see these kids play at the highest level that they can. And the AHL is obviously uh, better than major junior because you're facing, you know, men, uh, bigger, stronger, faster players. Um, but there is kind of an ecosystem that I can understand needs preserving to an extent. Perhaps the compromise is you get one player per organization per year. Yeah, because the, the one thing you get the middle ground is you get a guy, let's say Quinton Byfield. What does he have to prove left in Sudbury? <laughs> Nothing. He, he he's We know how good of a player he is. Um, I, I like the idea of him, him playing in the AHL because one of the big knocks on his game was for a long time was that he wasn't physical enough, and being able to play against those bigger guys, stronger, more experienced players would help him there. But at the same time, Quinton Byfield going and playing on the road will help that team's attendance because like, oh, wow, we got this star prospect here. And yeah. um, a good example was, um, I want to say Mitch Marner back with um, London Knights. He was a guy who was just so talented. But he every time he played on the road, it's like the crowds were full. And it was such a big deal for them to say, oh, wow, we got this really top prospect guy coming here, Mitch Marner. And of course, Connor McDavid before he got drafted to the Oilers. It's like having these guys go to these places matter so much to these yeah these fan bases, especially if the team struggling, doesn't have much to cheer for. It's like, Oh, well, we know we're going to lose six, nothing to, to Sudbury tonight, but Oh, well, we get to see Quentin Byfield score two goals. And that was pretty cool because he's going to be a star someday. So that really does matter. Plus you got like the NHL teams that are compensating the junior teams uh, to have these prospects play there. And um, for, for some of the teams where they continue to churn top prospects out, that doesn't matter much, but to teams where they kind of really rely on uh, as much financial support as possible, especially at a time right now where, can't really get fans in the stands. It's, it's going to be really hard to make that money back. You've got to find ways to, to make this work. So I, I, I think the idea of the cap works, but at the same time, like if you take away that star prospect away from a team before they're ready, it, it hurts those teams. But at the same time, it's, it's almost like a guy like Alexis Lafreniere, like in, let's say in a normal year, the where you know they, they didn't have to have these expanded rosters do you think maybe he would have gone to the ahl if he was allowed to just to kind of get that back up obviously it'd be a different story he wouldn't be going into his first pro game after like eight or nine mm -hmm. months of not playing but right. uh, it would have been a much shorter period of time but it's like a guy like that it's if you're not totally fully ready for the nhl that middle ground seems to be better than just staying in junior yeah, because it is such a different game. You're right. And, you know, you're learning to defend against, uh, you know, bigger, stronger competition. And it really allows you to put your own game under a microscope and say, where do I need to improve in order to get to the NHL and to stay in the NHL? And, you know, Lafreniere might be a, a perfect example where, you know, he's, he struggled to hit the score sheet early on. Um, I, I'm not worried about him, but... <laughs> You know, if he could, if he went down to AHL Hartford for a week or two and just had a chance to kind of light it up and really get his confidence and really get, you know, the feel for his game, because you're right. I mean, he had such a long layoff between Ramuski and the New York Rangers. It would be nice for him to just sort of pop down to Hartford, you know, maybe pop in a couple of goals, uh, throw his body around and, and, and get some confidence. I mean, 
you know, the Rangers are at a point right now where, you know, they're struggling and they're really, you know, they need to look to the future anyways. Um, you know, they, it would be a nice option. Yeah, it's it's some it almost seems like some teams are like, well, we don't see as much value sending the guy back to junior, but at the same time, we know he's not ready to be a leading guy on our team, and it's like they're getting rushed for no good reason. And it'd be a good idea for them to be able to go to the AHL, and obviously it doesn't really it doesn't affect the guys who are playing over in Europe that come over here. But uh, I, I do think it'd be something that'd be kind of interesting. But you know what? I, I understand why it exists. The the current agreements exist. Let's move off of the AHL. Done a lot of AHL talk so far. Let's talk about Matt Savoy, a 2022 NHL draft prospect. He's staying in the USHL, um, and you, you were saying that actually he he's going to stay in school and everything like that. It, right now, that kind of makes sense. But is this the best thing for his development, knowing you know he's the top prospect for the 2022 draft? Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, just situationally, you know, you have a young man, uh, obviously played for the Winnipeg Ice in the WHL, and their their season has not started yet. Um, he's been playing for Dubuque uh, with the Fighting Saints and had a lot of success. And you know, Dubuque struggled at the beginning of the year. They had some injuries. Um, you know, they had a lot of new players that they were trying to figure out. You know, who fit in where. And when Savoy showed up. Uh, it just felt like there was a different vibe to the team. And, and even, you know, um, early on, he was playing on a line with Connor Kurth, who's up for the 2021 draft. And, you know, he sort of helped Kurth, uh, you know, hit another level with his game. You know, Kurth was pretty good early on, but having Savoy to play off, I think really helps Kurth, uh, which was interesting. Um, but I, I do like the fit for Savoy because the USHL is – uh, kind of abnormally deep this year mm-hmm. uh, simply because of the other leagues that are not playing. So, um, you know, if I'm not mistaken, Owen Sillinger is going back to medicine hat since uh, the Tigers are starting their WHL season very soon. Uh, he had been with Sioux Falls and, and was playing very well, but you know, you have uh, you know, a couple of BCHL kids like Ayrton Martino, who we had on the podcast earlier this year, uh, Jack Barr, uh, who was originally at St. Andrews College uh, outside of Toronto, and he had been uh, in the BCHL for their extended exhibition season this year. He's with the Chicago Steel now and playing very well. So you got those kids. Then you also have the kids from the Ivy League schools that did not play in the NCAA this year. So, you know, Sean Farrell, uh, the Habs pick, he would have been at Harvard, but Harvard's not playing this season. Uh, Jack Malone, the Canucks pick, he would have been at Cornell, but Cornell's not playing. So he's back in the USHL. Um, You know, Alex Laferriere, you know, he's a LA Kings pick, if I'm not mistaken. He's back with Des Moines. So you have more talent in the USHL than usual. And then you have a pretty good NTDP team. And then, of course, one of my favorite players, another uh, player that would have been at Harvard this year, Austin Wong, the Winnipeg Mm -hmm. Jets uh, prospect. He's with the Fargo Force and just, you know, destroying everyone as usual because that's what Austin Wong does. Uh, So it's just so much fun to watch. Um, But for Savoy, it's a good situation. And, you know, he's going to get a bunch of games. If he had gone back to Winnipeg, you know, he would have had to quarantine and, you know, he would have had to miss games, you know, uh, that he was ordinarily playing with Dubuque. This way, he gets consistency. You know, I, I don't think it's a bad thing um, for, say, Owen Sillinger to go back to Medicine Hat. You know, I'm fine with either route. Um, but I think for Savoy, you know, 
he's going to be an even bigger impact player for the Winnipeg ice next season uh, when it's his actual draft year this year, just lap up that development mm-hmm. time. He's got a great role with the Buke, you know, the fighting saints are putting him in a position to succeed and, you know, he is taking that situation. Um, so I, I think he's good where he is. And uh, it's kind of like no wrong answers in this situation. I kind of feel bad for the Winnipeg ice. Cause like in a normal situation, they may have been able to get two, three years out of him of really good years. And they got 22 games out of him last year. Didn't score a goal. He's been really good this year. He played at Sherwood park before going to the USHL. Of course, the age, the HHL is coming back shortly. So we are going to be able to see that again, which is nice, but uh, you mentioned kind of the consistency thing and not taking him out on quarantine. That was kind of the same thing with full power uh, going to the world juniors. It was like, well, right. if he went and played for team Canada, there'd be a lot of quarantining inv- uh, involved. And we saw with guys like new, Hook and Devin Levi, who they didn't take part until after an extra two week quarantine because yeah. of the thing going on there. So it would have been even harder for him. So I do feel bad for Winnipeg Ice fans who are missing out on like this superstar prospect getting him as long as possible. But hey, next year it's going to be fun to watch what he's going to do. He's going to be well, at the peak of his game and he's going to be trying to go for that first overall pick. So that will be a lot of fun to watch. Speaking of first overall pick someone that was projected for the 2021 draft to go first overall was Atu Raddy and we saw how good he was at the world juniors last year got some time up at the Finnish pro league this year has not been a great year for him he struggled in the Finnish pro league um, he didn't even make the world junior team as a second year player which was very surprising um, or what things that we didn't really expect but now he's kind of fallen out and a lot of people had him number one. Now he's fallen out of most people's top five. And I've seen even some rankings put him outside the top 10. So what is the deal with him? Like, it's, it's not like he all of a sudden gets significantly worse, but it's like, it does seem weird that all of a sudden it's just like the public perception of him is that he's just not as good as we kind of expected. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of the problem. And, you know, I would include myself in, in that category because, you know, this time last year, I was I was thinking, you know, Ratty and Owen Power are probably, you know, the top two guys for the 2021 draft. And, you know, part of the problem is, you know, he, he bounced around a bit uh, between uh, Karpat Olu's uh, Liga team and their junior team. He's actually bat- he, ha- he actually has an assist today. They were playing like right now. He's playing on the third line. Uh, in the Liga with his brother, uh, Aku, who's an Arizona Coyotes prospect. So they're playing together in the third line. They hooked up for a goal today. So good for them. Um, but I think what happened was, you know, outsiders like, uh, you know, you and me uh, had high expectations. And I think Carpat probably had high expectations mm-hmm. too. Um, you know, from people I've talked to, they might have rushed him up and, and played him a little too much last year. And, and they sort of assumed that that was going to carry over and, you know, he needs a bit more time and, you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not giving up on him. Um, you know, from folks I'm talking to they they see him as around number 10 right now <laughs> in that range. Maybe he falls out of it depending on how other players play. Um, but I wonder if he might be the next Anton Lundell in that sense where, you know, Last year, people wondered, you know, does Lindell have enough offense to his game? You know, it, you know, the, the benefit with him is that as a teenager, he's actually really good defensively. Um, but some scouts wondered if he had the offensive upside to justify going really high. Florida Panthers 
grabbed him obviously in the first round and he has been on fire this year. So for me, I'm holding out hope that with Rati, you know, we saw him at the world juniors uh, two years ago where he played a great two way game. You know, he was dependable. He's a big body fourth Um, line, but noticeable on that fourth line. Yeah, exactly. Fourth line, but noticeable. So, so you said to yourself, okay, well, if he can, if he can contribute in small minutes, you know, what will he do as he continues to develop? And I think that's the key here is he is still developing and, you know, it has not been a, a straight ascension, but that's okay. Um, he obviously needs time, but I, I feel like the bones are there for him to be a very good player. And, you know, he, he just needs time. And, you know, one thing to note about that Finnish world junior team this year, they had no camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously because of the pandemic, they didn't want to bring kids from all over the country in the same place uh, unnecessarily. So they essentially chose the team off paper. And, you know, Ratsy was not putting up the numbers. He was not playing well early on. Uh, so they left him at home. And, you know, it was unfortunate. Uh, I'm sure he'll use it as motivation. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not giving up on the kid yet. Um, I think it's just a matter of, you know, he, he might not go as high as we thought he did originally, but it's what you do after you get drafted that matters the most. And, and a perfect example of that is Jacob Chicker and a guy who uh, early on was looking like he was going to be one of the top prospects for the 2016 draft. And he fell down to 16th overall. And this year we've seen him. He's playing outstanding for Arizona. He's been one of the huge bright spots for that team. So the one thing I like to look at is when you got a guy who is so highly regarded at a young age, keep an eye on them. It once they go a little later in the draft because they could turn into a big steal. There was a reason they were a top prospect at some point. And while they may have cooled down on the most important year of their development, it doesn't necessarily mean you're screwed. If, if it's right. like the, the number one prospect doesn't mean a whole lot when you look back and redrafts and say, Oh, this guy was the number one prospect for sure. And now he's like, like the eighth best guy in the draft. So I do think it's worth keeping an eye on him going forward. Now, before we get into the questions, the segment I forgot to start the podcast with. It's not the first time I forgot to do this. Who are the prospects? I was going to say, I, I just thought, saw AHL. I'm like, I like the AHL. Let's talk about the AHL. You're so excited. Uh, well, Trevor Zegers, you know, it's pretty fun to talk about him. Um, let's talk about some prospects catching your eye right now. Yes. Okay. So three prospects. Uh, I'm going to stick with the 2021 draft uh, to mix things up here. Starting with Chaz Lucius from the USNTDP. Mm-hmm. You know, heading into this season, uh, Lucius was uh, their best forward prospect. Uh, you know, Luke Hughes, obviously the, the best prospect overall. Um, but I really liked Lucius last year. And, uh, and even before that, um, you know, when he played for Gentry Academy back in Minnesota, um, you know, this kid is a goal scorer. And unfortunately, we had not seen Chaz Lucius all season because of a lower body injury he was recovering from. Came back on the weekend and he was amazing. Two goals in his first game, another goal in his second game. And in that first game, I mean, he could have had like four goals, maybe five. He had a couple of posts and crossbars. He was buzzing all night. Clearly, uh, he was excited to be back in the lineup. He's a difference maker. And on this NTDP team, and I've talked to scouts about this already, you know, I can see this as another version of the Jack Hughes, Cole Caulfield, Alex Turcotte crew, where almost everybody gets drafted because it was such a deep lineup. Um, but this squad doesn't have a lot of dynamic players, uh, particularly up front. I mean, Luke Hughes and Sean Barons on the defense score, uh, have some nice dynamic elements to their game, but up front, 
you got a lot of players who are more like hardworking two-way guys who obviously can put up numbers, um, but, you know, they don't have that high end necessarily. Chaz Lucius has that high mm -hmm. end. And it'll be very exciting to see what he can do the rest of the way here uh, because he can, he can rip it. Uh, and, you know, it does not take a lot of space for him to find the back in the net. And he's got some pretty decent size. Um, so great to see Chaz Lucius this weekend. Uh, really lived up to expectations. Uh, and then uh, next great name, too. great name, too. Great name. And his younger brother is Cruz Lucius, yeah. who plays for the NTDPs under 17s. And uh, he's having a nice year, too. So you got to look out for Cruz. He's more of the playmaker of the family. He's got to have a cool name, and then you're automatically a really good prospect. Jazz and Cruz. Yeah. They actually played on a line together at Gentry, and they were unstoppable. Yes. yes. Um, so next, I'll go with Joshua Waugh. Uh, playing for the Sherbrooke Phoenix in the Quebec League. Joshua Waugh was originally with the St. John Sea Dogs. Uh, you know, wasn't feeling it there. Asked for a trade. They made a trade happen. Uh, happened to be to the worst team in the league. But, you know, uh, that's how these things go sometimes. <laughs> but Joshua Waugh is taking it all in stride. 11 points in his first 10 games with the Phoenix. Uh, you know, talking to scouts. They, uh, they love his shot. They love his ability to, to cut through traffic. Um, not the greatest skater in the world. He's not super fast, um, but obviously he can put up points. His 28 points on the season right now makes him the leading scorer on the Phoenix, uh, even though a lot of that offense came from his St. John days. Uh, but Joshua Watt, one to watch because, um, you know, he's making the most of that situation and, and clearly uh, he's a scorer and NHL teams love goals. What can mm -hmm. I say? No. There's your hard, uh, there's your hard <laughs> analysis right there. You're goals, a scout. Goals <laughs> good. That's why, that's why I'm the expert, right? Um, <laughs> and the final player um, I'm going to mention for the 2021 draft, uh, one of my personal faves, uh, Igor Savikov, defenseman with Latatogliati's junior team uh, over in Russia, 34 points in 52 games. Uh, he's the leading scorer on that team, and he's a defenseman. He's also the captain of the team. Uh, Savikov, I feel like he's like a Tory Krug kind of clone. He's like 5'10". Uh, I think he's listed at like 165 pounds or something like that. But he can throw big hits. Uh, he plays with a big edge. Like he's got some sandpaper to his game. And obviously offensively, he's very gifted. So you get a guy that tries at both ends of the ice. And uh, what I'm very fascinated with is, you know, he plays on the same junior team as Fyodor Svechkov, who is a fantastic two-way forward up for the 2021 draft as well. So NHL teams are all concentrating on Svechkov because he's got some high-end elements to his game and he'll be a first rounder for sure. So when they see Svechkov, they can't help but notice Savikov because he's very noticeable out there. And, you know, in, in my viewings, I, I've loved watching him. Svechkov has actually spent a lot of time up in the uh, VHL, mm -hmm. the Russian AHL, because I don't think Lada has a, a KHL team right now. Um, but I, I like watching Savikov play. Uh, he's the kind of guy that, uh, you know, he'll cause if you cause trouble in front of his net, he's going to let you know about it. And then he's going to make you pay on the power play. And he's very mobile, great with the puck. So uh, Igor Savakov, he, he's like one of my like sleepers for the year. I, I really enjoy him. 
he's he's a very skilled defenseman in the way that a skilled puck mover, I should say, but he's just like he, he's he'll he'll come down the ice, he'll try to make a scoring chance, and then he'll be like boop, boop, make this really cool move and then make it work. And that's something you don't yeah. see a lot. All right. Let's go to our viewer questions. And there's one that actually this was asked uh, a couple weeks ago, but we've kind of held off on it. Uh, I wanted to wait till he had a bit of a better uh, track record at this point. And so far, five points in eight games. Jake Bean has been fantastic. And Merrick Camper asks, is Jake Bean for real? Obviously, we know how good he was in the AHL level. I was kind of surprised after winning the Calder Cup uh, and getting to the all-rookie team that he wasn't called up for last season as a full-time NHLer. But he kind of took that opportunity in stride. The Hurricanes had kind of a crowd of a defense group, and he went out there and he led all defensemen in points with 48, and he was actually named the league's best defenseman. Now he's playing fantastic. Is he for real? Yeah, I think he is for real. And, you know, you hit on a good point there is in the past couple of years, the Carolina defense core has been so good and so deep that it, it was really hard for a young player like Bean to find a spot because – you had Dougie Hamilton, you got Brett Pesci and Jacob Slavin. You used to have Justin Falk, who was a top four guy for you. You had Hayden Fleury popping up uh, as a top prospect as well, trying to find his way. Uh, and then, of course, they brought in Jake Gardner via free agency. And, you know, obviously you're going to play your free agent and see what he can do. So, you know, good on Jake Bean for keeping at it and excelling at the level he was at. Um, I think he's grown a lot in the past couple of years. Um, asserting himself more on the ice. And then obviously, you know, just get bigger and stronger as all teenagers needed to do. So right now you've got a player who might've been a little overripe, uh, but that's great news for the Hurricanes because you plug him in. I think he has five points in his first eight games, mm-hmm. yep. all assists, uh, but they all count. Um, so yeah, good on Jake Bean. And I know that, uh, you know, online, a lot of people are joking that, you know, the Seattle Kraken are just waiting for Jake Bean to be theirs. Hey, we said um, that last year. We said that last year. We were early. We did. One. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, Carolina can only protect so many defensemen. They might just have to make some really difficult choices. Um, but at this point, if you're a, a Canes fan, you're probably like, no, 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 not Jake Bean. <laughs> we want him now. Like we know what he can do at the NHL level. So, uh, yeah, he's for real, and it's it's good to see him getting his shot. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch him. I'm a big fan of his game, but it, it almost is it for me. It felt like it took a long time for him, but he's like what he's he's 22 years old. He's not that old. It's just it's yeah. been like the thing about the WHL is you just get drafted so early. It's like it feels like we've been talking about like we, he played in the WHL in 2014, so it actually feels wow. like it's taken a long time for him. But he's only 22 years old. Crazy, I know. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go on to a question from Jordan Myers. And Jordan asks, "I was worried about Dylan Holloway for the Oilers, but he's been fantastic in the NCAA. Do you see him becoming a key contributor at the NHL level?" And before you answer that, I. I don't know how Oilers fans felt about his like about his world junior performance. I felt like it was good, but I don't know how Oilers fans totally felt about that. I don't know either. Um, but I mean, for me, I, I liked Dylan Holloway's upside uh, dating back to last year. And, you know, scouts gave him a lot of credit for being one of the younger players in the NCAA with Wisconsin. And you looked at the, you looked at the tools, you looked at the size and the skating And obviously going back to his AJHL days, he was a great point producer. Um, So, you know, it was going to take time, but it didn't have to take a lot of time. And I think that's what we're seeing now. And I think the world juniors were really good for him, even though he did have the long quarantine at Canada's camp. Um, Because since he has returned, 
to the Wisconsin Badgers, he has been on fire. If I'm not mistaken, I saw a stat, it might've been from Chris Peters that, you know, his points per game are higher than Cole Caulfield right now. Um, And, you know, that's saying a lot because that's what Cole Caulfield does is put up points. So with Holloway, you're getting a big body who can move and can clearly put up points. And if you look at the Edmonton Oilers, not that they need more help uh, offensively right now, but you add him into your top six or even your middle six, and you're that much more potent. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to need too much more time in college uh, before he turns pro, but savvy pick by the Oilers because this kid had a lot of upside and he's starting to realize it already. Oilers fans were so mad when they, when they made that pick. And it's like, why? He's a good player. It's just, yeah, like, uh, I don't get it. Not totally sure. All right, we got a, uh, our final question here from DRW fan, Detroit Red Wing fan. Moritz Sider has been incredible in the SHL this year. Is he a true number one defenseman in Detroit in the future? I love that pick when Detroit made it. I was so happy to see them. I wouldn't say make a risky pick or or go off the board. I just thought, you know what, he had so much untapped potential, that, but he knew what he could do when he was in the zone. So I was so happy they got him. But do you think he is a legitimate number one defenseman in the NHL in the future? Yeah, I certainly do. And I think back to the Traverse City Prospect Tournament, I guess it would have been two years ago now. You were there with me. Um, You know, obviously they didn't have it this fall because of the pandemic. But it was, you know, know, Cider's uh, basically his first North American experience. uh, And then he headed back to, uh, actually he went to the AHL. Um, but it it was very fun because obviously, you know, Traverse city, it's eight NHL teams prospects hosted by the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Traverse city is in the, you know, the, the Northern part of the, the Michigan mitt. Great food. Uh, Great food. Great food. I think it's, it qualifies as upper Michigan. I think you're a youper if you're from, uh, Traverse city, but anyway, so the fans obviously are mostly Red Wings fans and everybody was really interested because nobody knew a lot about cider uh you know locally obviously and this kid came out and he was super physical he was super talented great at both ends of the ice and the crowd loved him he was probably you know the favorite he was the fan favorite in that tournament for sure I i think that experience was a great um sort of you know springboard for him because then he went to the ahl but he already had a sense at least just a taste of, of what North American hockey was on the smaller ice service. Uh, and now obviously in the SHL, he's been a dominant player and we've seen some big hits that he's thrown. He's obviously putting up a lot of points as well. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, it was a shock when the, when the Red Wings went with him, but it was, it was a fun shock. It was like, okay, they believe in him. Cause you know, I mean, Cider had a great draft year back in Germany and there was a lot of intrigue around him. It's just, we didn't really know at the time what it all meant. And for the Red Wings to go for it, it was like, okay, well, this is exciting. Let's see where this goes. Uh, And I know Sider was even, uh, you know, pretty uh, surprised himself. He had some uh, fantastic draft day day photos coming out of the stands. Um, But yeah, that was the big story of that day. And uh, it seems to have paid off for for Steve Eisenman and, and Chris Draper and the whole crew there in Detroit. So good on him. Yeah, you mentioned it was a fan favorite. One of my favorite moments was, I think it was against Toronto. He gets the puck behind the net and you could tell he was about to go on a rush and the whole arena is like dead silent. And then he goes out there and he almost 
pulls off an end-to-end move and everyone was going nuts. Like it was dead silent to start, start way to the blue line or second, the blue line and the offensive zone. And that's when the crowd's like, Oh my gosh, what's he going to do? He didn't score, but it was so fun to see that. That was, that was pretty cool. So anyways, that's it for the viewer questions. We've got an interview to, to finish off this episode. Who are we talking to this week? We are talking to Scott Morrow, defenseman with Shattuck St. Mary's, the famed prep school in Minnesota. Uh, Scott Morrow, a big kid, North Dakota commit, really mobile, really great with the puck. I've watched him uh, a bunch of times this year already. Uh, really fun to watch. He was really good for them last year. Uh, he's a 2021 NHL draft prospect. And, uh, yeah, great kid to talk to. All right. We're going to wrap up this issue, this episode, like I said, with that. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the interview. I'm joined by Scott Morrow, defenseman with Shattuck St. Mary's, the famed prep school in Minnesota, Sidney Crosby, Zach Friese, Jonathan Taves, a whole bunch of players. Uh, Scott is there now, up for the 2021 NHL draft, uh, doing big things for the Shattuck St. Mary's Sabres. Scott, welcome to the Prospect Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Right on. So first off, uh, Shattuck St. Mary's uh, in Minnesota. You were born in Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken. What led you to that program in Minnesota? Um, Well, they kind of, Coach Ben and Coach Stafford kind of saw me at the Quebec Pee Wee tournament when I was younger um, because they were recruiting kids for the Bantam team. Um, And they kind of reached out to me first um, and got my interest up in there. And the more I researched them, like, it was crazy, like how how good they are at producing people who are uh, NHL players and represent their their countries internationally and do big things like that. Um, and that's all. My goal was always to play in the NHL, um, to be an NHL player. Um, so, I mean, I just remember like when I was researching them, like just googling like how many NHL players like came out of there. And I I remember at the time uh, I was in seventh grade and I was googling. And I I googled it and I was like. 37 NHL players are from Shattuck. Like, why don't I go there? Like, and then, so as soon as I saw that like little piece of data, like I did everything I could to convince my parents to let me go. I mean, I made my dad a PowerPoint. I mean, originally they wanted me to stay out East, but um, I was really, I really took initiative and um, Shattuck was always where I wanted to go after I started researching it. So I'm just grateful that I have the opportunity to have played here for the past five years. And I'm grateful that uh, my parents have supported me enough to help me get this opportunity. Excellent. And on top of the on ice excellence at Shattuck, one of the most unique things is that, you know, you're living on the, the school's campus with your teammates. So you're all sort of in uh, the same dorm. What's that like just in terms of camaraderie and, and team building? Yeah, actually, this year I'm not in the dorms, but the previous four years I was. Um, so I can speak to that a ton. I mean, just hanging out with the boys every day, like uh, you kind of do everything together. Like you, you eat together, you do your homework together. Uh, you have your downtime together. Like, um, so it really like does wonders for like team building and and you just feel that much closer to your teammates. Like when I was growing up, like I I didn't, my teammates didn't even go to the same school as me. Like the only time I really saw them was at practice, but just being in an environment like here, like where you're around them 24 seven, it feels like, um, it's just so, so great for the, 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 the locker room and the camaraderie, like, that gets built is, is truly special here. Um, and I think that's why uh, throughout Shattuck's history, our teams have had so much success um, is because our teams are so close. Right on. And uh, as I mentioned, you're up for the NHL draft this year and uh, a couple 
of your teammates, uh, one of whom is now in the USHL with Sioux City, uh, are also up for the draft. And just sort of curious for your scattering report, starting with fellow defenseman uh, Shai Boyum, who, uh, as I mentioned, is, is now with uh, the Sioux City Musketeers. What, what can you tell people about his game? Um, first of all, he's a great guy. I mean, I love playing with him um, for the, the couple months I got to be on his team. I mean, uh, and he, he was the type of guy who would come skate with me outside of practice, work out with me. Like he was someone who really pushed me. Um, so uh, just first things first, he's a hard worker and a great kid. Um, in terms of a scouting report on the ice, like he's, he could skate, he's big, he's rangy. He's got some great offensive instincts. Um, he's a really raw player. Um, and I feel like if he puts things together, he can be a stud. Um, I think he's got some special ability that um, if he reaches it, like he's going to be a really good player. Right on. And then uh, up front, uh, Charlie Lurie uh, sort of caught my eye when I've been watching you guys play. Uh, what can you say about Charlie's game? Charlie's a goal scorer. Um, that's all like, that's what he loves doing. That's why he plays hockey. I mean, um, he's, he's one of the best shots I've, I've seen at this level. Um, probably the best I've seen to be quite honest. Um, and he's, he's turning into a really well-rounded player. Um, he's, he's selfless. I mean, even though he's a shoot first player, he's got some good passing instincts. Um, and he's, he's working towards, uh, becoming a, a really good 200 foot player for us. Um, and I think he's the type of guy who can fit in at center and on the wing, um, which I know is valuable. Um, so I, I've had a lot of fun, uh, playing with him and playing with Shy earlier this year. I mean, both those guys have been great teammates and, uh, really fun to play with. Excellent. Now let's sort of uh, turn the spotlight back on uh, your game. Uh, you know, when you're talking to NHL scouts this year, how do you kind of uh, pitch yourself and, and what you could potentially bring to an NHL team in the future? What do you think you do best on the ice? Um, I think the thing that drives my game is my skating. Um, I think my, my edge work, my elusiveness, uh, my turning ability, my escape ability, that's all I believe second to none. Um, and that really drives my game. Like I'm a guy with great puck skills um, who, who can bring a lot on offense for my team. Um, and just when I'm moving my feet, like I, I, I think I can make any play out there, make anything, I make dynamic things happen for my team. Um, and I'm turning into a really well-rounded player, in my opinion. I'm, I'm trying to uh, improve the finer details of my game defensively and stuff like that. But I believe that the thing that attracts uh, people to my game is just, I think I have special offensive ability. Um, my vision, my stick handling, um, my capability and stuff like that. So um, just being, being able to like make plays from the blue line and create offense, like uh, in last year's playoffs, like in the NHL, you could see guys like Theodore, Makar, Hughes, um, and Heiskanen, like those four guys, like they were almost leading the, the, the playoffs in points at one point. Like those guys were really driving their team and that's why their teams have success. So um, just that new era of defensemen um, is really valuable in today's NHL, um, and it all starts with skating. Um, and I think I can be be the next in line um, to to help a team win one day. Excellent. And in terms of uh, an area of your game you'd like to work on the most, what do you think it would be right now? Um, shooting the puck. Um, I mean, I I create so many chances for myself. Like, there's games like. I know I'm not playing at uh, the junior level. I'm playing at the high school level, but I've had games where I've had 25 shots. And I haven't scored. I've had 20 shots. I haven't scored. So um, just working on scoring goals um, is just one thing I need to continue to do. Um, and then, I mean, the game's all about skating. So 
Um, the quicker my first step can be, the more explosive I can be, the better player I'm going to become. So those two things are kind of the, at the forefront of what I'm trying to improve right now. Excellent. And you are committed to the University of North Dakota for your NCAA school. Obviously, another school that has had a, a ton of success, um, you know, producing NHLers and a pretty good Shattuck connection too when you think about Prize Taves and then Drew Stafford as well um what was it about North Dakota that uh that intrigued you um I mean I just I, I waited a long time in my recruitment I mean uh I wanted to find the school that was right for me and as soon as I got on campus like I knew it was right for me based on the interactions I had with the coaching staff and um what they told me about their program like uh the thing that stood out to me the most when I went there is how much how well they knew me as a player um, like when I, when I was on my visit there, they showed me video of myself of the things I did well and the things I didn't do well. Um, and you could definitely get the feeling that they knew exactly who I was. They weren't going to kiss my ass any more than they needed to. Um, they were, they weren't afraid to, um, you know, tell me the things I needed to improve on. And I, I that's what I want my coaching staff to do because, uh, to make the NHL, you need people around you supporting you, not just hyping you up. They need to tell you the things that you need to work on so, um, you can improve as a player. So. Um, those type of things. And then uh, the other thing that was the best was like, usually like when I, when I go on visits to colleges, I'd be like, yeah, like, so how much, how much extra ice time do you have? But as soon as we walk into the locker room um, at North Dakota with, with coach Barry and coach Jackson and coach Gehring, like they had on the whiteboard, like their daily schedule. And it was just like, they had like two hours every single day where you could get the coaches out there to work with you on your game, just open ice. So um, for a rink rat like myself, like it was just having walking in the locker room and seeing that whiteboard that um, the coaches didn't just like provide open ice for you. They, they wanted to go out there and help you. So um, those types of things were what really made it feel like it was the place for me. Excellent. Well, Good luck uh, the rest of the season, Scott, and good luck in the future, and thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Hockey News Podcast. Make sure to check out THN.com slash subscribe to get issues of the Hockey News Magazine delivered right to your mailbox. Hockey News.